morning. Welcome to the Master Gardener Hour. I'm Susan Stewart, and we are going to talk about green roofs today with Janet Faust, who is a lead architectural professional, accredited accredited professional. professional, and a green roof professional, an environmental horticulturist, and is the green roof product manager for JDR Enterprises here in Atlanta, Georgia. Janet, welcome to Thank the Master Gardener nice Hour. To be here. We are so delighted to have you. And as I've been doing my homework for today's program, I've just become fascinated with green roofs. And hopefully, this is only the beginning of a further education for me. But as I understand, um, we're perhaps behind the curve here in the United States, and that this movement actually began back in Germany in the mid-1960s. Well, it it actually goes back even further than that. Um, Back even hundreds of years ago in the Icelandic countries or Scandinavian countries, um, they lacked resources for building materials, so they used what was readily available and that happened to be the earth so they not only their rooftops were earth but also they packed their walls and and that for insulation purposes so they just that's what they had and that's what they used so we're kind of using a technique that's been around for a long time but we just are using it maybe in different different ways for different reasons so in the in European countries, there really are quite a few yeah, that, that are... I think since Europe was ahead of the curve years ago, um, they've, they've been doing green roofs for almost 100 years. And we've seen green roof projects that are in existence still today that have been around for 70 years. And they're still intact and, and working just fine. Yeah, so um, what is they say? They they say that necessity is the mother of invention. So centuries ago um, in Scandinavia, when they started using the sod roofs, they just continued on in these European countries. Correct. So is, is that why you would say that they are ahead of us now? Yeah, and I think maybe politics, too, has a little bit to do with it. Um, and... Yeah, I would say they're just ahead of the curve in all of sustainability, every every form of it, not just green roofs. Well, I hope we're going to get there. Yeah, I think actually we, in in 2011, the green roof market um, jumped by 116%. So we're really, really making great strides, especially in the last five years. So, Janet, how did you become interested in green roofs? Where did your professional career take off into green roofs? Well, I initially got a um, Bachelor of Science degree in housing many years ago from Florida State University. And then I went back to school about 12 years ago and got a second degree in environmental horticulture. And going into that program, up at North Metro Tech in Ackworth, um, they didn't know what green roofs were, and I just got a, a spark of interest of that, just like you have been this week, and took off, and the instructors were happy to let me do my thing and research it and really help me kind of mold my own niche in the in the um, program there. And from there, I, I hooked up with... JDR Enterprises, who was just getting into the market and, in fact, was working for them while I was learning about green roofs. So it was kind of the blind leading the blind, and we both made that leap of faith, and they hired me full-time as soon as I graduated. I see. So when I started Googling um, green roofs and your name came came up, was there a large Atlanta City project that you were involved in? Yeah, JDR had just... Um, got wind of the Atlanta City Hall green roof. And so I was really fortunate to get in at the planning stages of that as well and get my hands dirty, literally get my hands dirty in every... I wanted to learn every aspect of the install of that project. So I sat in on planning meetings and actually was there to assist with not only the drainage system, which um, we donated, but also got in on the waterproofing, saw how the waterproofing was installed, the plants and the soil. And what year was this? That was 2003. And 
what was the genesis of the idea for Atlanta City Hall to install a green roof? Well, at, at the time, Mayor Shirley Franklin was in in office, and she she had a really big interest in sustainability and the green roof idea and water management for the city. And so she saw that as a, a role model. If they could be a role model for the rest of Atlanta City, um, if they had a, a, a visible green roof or one that um, they could be patterned after. So did that did it jumpstart a lot of people doing green roofs? Um, I like to think it did. Those of us that were a part of that certainly enjoy talking about it. It's been ten years. It's a still a very um, functioning green roof, and happy to say that actually in, irrigation was not installed on that project. So even without irrigation, um, it's a little bit of hand watering through the years when there's been some drought, but it's a it's a full functioning green roof. So it's been very successful. Well, they're certainly not needing to water this year. Not this year, no. <laughs> So how long did that project start? How long did it take from start to finish? Well, if you ask, yeah, probably a good couple years um, just, you know, to get the planning of it, the approval, the donations, and then the actual install actually only only took a couple weeks. But um, it's a government, you know, it's the government. So it. Do you think that's normal that um, when someone has a kernel of an idea to install a green roof? that they, you know, would take 18 to 24 months to get it up and running? Well, if you're starting with a new building and you're starting with architects that are designing the building, and so, yes, any any type of architectural building process is going to take several years. But if it's the homeowner that just wants to do a simple green roof, you can do, if it's a small garage or shed, those can typically be done in a weekend, as a weekend project. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But um, just define for us what is meant when we hear the term green roof. Green roof is basically any contained space on top of a man-made structure, and that can be either below grade, at grade, or above grade. So you're you're actually building a space, a man-made space on top of a structure, and that can be either a parking deck where it it can be at you know flush with the ground level, or or some residential homes you'll see that are bermed, and that's considered a green roof residential, and then commercial buildings as well. It could be sky rises that have a green roof on top of their 40th floor or whatever. So when you think of a green roof, does it need to be the entire roof? No, to be a green roof? No, not necessarily. We we see projects that have just a partial um, area of the rooftop, and that's that's where we get into some differences as to different kinds of green roofs. Okay. Well, um, talk to us about the the benefits. Why why do we want more green roofs? Um, each project is very unique in that, that different projects have different reasons. We are seeing, um, because of environmental reasons, that's not always the the reason for a green roof, but it has been, I think, the majority of the, the momentum of green roofs has been for environmental reasons. Um, it has a lot of different impacts to the environment. Um, sto- it retains storm water, so water management is a big issue for a lot of cities, including Atlanta. Um, for heat island effect or air quality, um, you're taking plants that, even indoor plants, as you know, um, they take the bad air or the carbon dioxides out of the air, and the leaf surface then turns it into oxygen or good air. And that's what I read mostly about large cities are wanting to increase the number of green roofs 
that they think they have a pollution problem and they're trying to clean their air. Correct. Is that is that correct? correct? Is that like the number one? No, actually the number one I think is the water management. Well, I was reading and I, I, I think it's just remarkable because, you know, when you when you think about the sewer system and the drainage system and we have these huge storms, particularly this year in Atlanta, stormwater management is huge. Mm-hmm. And some of the research that I read said that it could decrease runoff in managing this this stormwater and can often retain as much as 75% of the rainwater. You did your homework. That's huge. <laughs> it is. And um, the impact that the larger corporations or larger buildings can make, that is a huge incentive because they're actually... Uh, most of the time paying the city for runoff water that right. leaves their property. In Atlanta, we yeah. certainly are. So if you get a Home Depot or a you know, a Target or Walmart that has a huge roof ratio with a large amount of water runoff, this could be great savings for those larger companies with large roof ratios. So, you know, a couple of years ago, we started hearing and seeing water barrels. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not saying isn't a great idea. But, folks, we're talking about, you know, 12 times what a water barrel right. could possibly do. I mean, I just... Well, water retent, water barrels for the residential, you know, homeowner is the way to go because they're not really going to see savings on a green roof, though we do have homeowners that put green roofs on their homes um, the incentive isn't quite there as it is for the larger companies with big buildings. So that's what we're mainly talking about is the large corporate buildings, yes. big box buildings. Yes, for water retention and savings and incentive, yes. And everybody benefits from that, and everybody True. benefits True. from the improved air quality. So what other what other environmental benefits could we look for? Well, um, when you see large cities... If you're familiar with the heat island effect, where we've got so much concrete with our buildings, our roads, our sidewalks, all of the hardscapes that have uh, accumulate the heat during the day and then release it back into the atmosphere at night, um, that's where you get the heat island effect. And a lot of our cities can actually be 10 degrees warmer than the, the rural areas. So... If we start putting more greenery back into our uh, urban areas, then we're going to see a reduction in that heat island effect. Okay. That would be, I think that would be very important. Any other big benefits? Well, um, the habitats that have been displaced for, you know, with the footprint of the buildings, um, birds, butterflies, bees have been displaced with these buildings and we don't often see a lot of habitat in our urban areas so when you bring back that gardens and plants and that that encourage wildlife then we see a a habitat you know that's coming back to the cities and that would obviously go along the lines of aesthetic improvements for the building and the people that work in the building could enjoy the garden so this is absolutely fascinating we are with janet faust and we're learning about the benefits of green roofs and we're going to take a quick break and come right back quick stakes that's Q-U-I-K stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. 
So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, At Home with Paisley, every week, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Master Gardener Hour. We're with Janet Faust, and we're learning about green roofs and specifically the environmental benefits of green roofs. Did we miss any during our first segment? Um, environmental, uh, the air quality, we kind of touched on that. The, it really does make a, a big difference when you add those plants back to the air, back to your buildings and with the air quality and the temperature of the building so that you're kind of reducing the carbon dioxides in the air. Well, further down the list, but one of the other benefits that I read about is if the United States could catch up with our European counterparts and only have 1% of the U.S. roof space green, that um, we could spend $10 billion investment Janet's smiling at me because I know she knows these numbers. A $10 billion investment could create 190,000 jobs by building 48.5 billion square feet of green roof space. And that's just 1% of what we've got. Right. I mean, it seems like a small drop in the bucket that would have an enormous ripple effect. Am I wrong? You're right. The you know, you look at the landscape industry and how huge just the landscape industry is on ground level. Now, quantify that, the scope of that industry for me. Well, any any amount of install of plants into your apartment buildings, corporate offices. So you're you just know, saying it's huge. It's huge. It's mind-boggling huge. The And then the maintenance, too, of keeping up. So that's kind of... Um, the landscape industry has almost hit a jackpot with the green roofs, that that's another maintenance that they can add to their contracts. So are you seeing people go into this by the droves every day? Um, I would say they're adding it to their existing programs. I don't think it right now, we're we're not quite there yet where you could just have a company Mm. that's just focused on green roofs. Um, we saw that happen 10 years ago, and I'm sorry to say that a lot of those companies are not in existence. But companies like JDR, where we've just added that little niche market to our existing markets, and we're, you know, we're seeing that it's taking off. Mm-hmm. So, Janet, who's the conversation with? Who do you market to? Well, from a company for JDR, because we're just one component of the drain, of the green roof, the drain mats, um, our customers are the waterproofing companies. The waterproofing companies have total systems of green roofs. So you can go to the waterproofing companies, and they'll provide you with the drainage mat, the soil, the plants, the whole plan, and then they'll offer a warranty to cover all of that all of those components. So mm-hmm. they're really our customer. Um, but I also educate landscape architects, um, contractors, archi- um, architects themselves who are designing green roofs in the initial stages. And who's the buyer? Is it the municipality? Is it the city government? Is it the person that owns the commercial building? Who is the buyer of all, a green roof? All of the above. All of the above. Yeah. Any building, anyone, it can be commercial or residential that has an interest in incorporating green roofs into their sustainable design of their building. So you name it, there's buildings 
with green roofs on them around the country. Mm-hmm. So you've talked a little bit about the environmental benefits. What about the economic benefits? Have we covered those? No, not really. Um, it's that that that's the hard sell to your customer is the, the economics because when you start talking money, people get a little afraid because. Yes, you are putting extra money up front for a green roof where you would typically just have a standard rooftop. Now you're adding different components that are additional costs. However, down the road, there is a a limit where you reach uh, where you're actually making money. You're breaking. Yes, and it's most people say that's about 10 years down the road. So then you're starting to um, gain in those benefits of heating and cooling, reducing your heating and cooling costs because you've got that insulation layer up on top of your building and so you're, or the storm water issue where where you're not actually having to pay the taxes on that storm water. Mm-hmm. So would you say that if I'm constructing a building, if, I, if I'm at the beginning and I'm thinking about what I'm going to pay to put a roof on, am I going to have a 10% premium if I'm going to make it a green roof or 15 or I know it varies in yeah, a different kind of green roof. From minimum, you can probably get a green roof for about $7 a square foot. Okay. But then on up to, I would say the average is about $25 a square foot. A square foot. foot. Yeah. Additional cost yes, to your roof. Yes. And it, it, can, it can go way above that depending on... If you've got swimming pools that go with it and, and trees large trees and, and planters and what have you, yes. Sir. So in my reading, I mean, I read that it could reduce the cost of cooling. If you had a green roof, it could reduce your cost of cooling by 26%. Yeah, that depends on the size of your building. If you've got a one- or two-story building... Then you're gonna your your savings are gonna be much greater than if you had a high rise where the ratio of your roof space and the amount of building that makes yeah, sense yeah so that's where the incentives come in and and each project being really unique as to why do you want to have a green roof it just it really depends on a lot of variables size of building and you know all of that factors into it. So what are my other economic benefits? Well, I would say right now we, we're seeing the higher-end benefits such as condominiums and apartments that see a green roof as a living space. So where you used to see um, other options for an apartment or condo, condominiums, you're seeing people really like that idea of having that green space on top of their building so they incorporate that green space with swimming pools, like I mentioned, or recreational space, barbecue areas, you know, spaces that are available to them. They can go after work. Some people even walk their dog. It's a nice place to walk their dogs or just escape after work. On the weekends, they don't have to get in the car. It's We're seeing that as a really big amenity for higher-end um, customers and buildings. So for the person who lives in the condominium, it's, you know, a great amenity. And for the person who owns the condominium, it's almost so like having a free floor. Right. It's a win-win. They're, yeah. they're getting extra real estate on top of their building. Yeah. That was avoided space to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about the other benefits that we need to consider. Because I've got some in that... It increases the marketability of the building. Some person even said that it was a fire retardant. Um, I would say the biggest benefit that we're seeing is that we don't often hear about, but it's there, is that the waterproofing system, usually on a regular building, needs to be replaced every 20 years because the UV rays over those 20 years is the big what damages the waterproofing itself, as well as the fluctuation from hot and cold temperatures every day. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, and waterproofing's not not cheap. So, if you're covering that waterproofing with so plants and soil, and the UV rays are no longer able to get to that waterproofing, 
or and it also stabilizes the hot and cold fluctuation, then we're actually seeing that you can extend the life of that waterproofing two or three times. So instead of having to replace that waterproofing membrane after 20 years, you can sometimes get away with 60 years. The, the project I mentioned in Europe that was 70 years old, when they excavated to put new plants and new soil, they discovered that the waterproofing was still intact. So that's a big benefit for the building owners, um, some economic benefits. I would say so. What about federal and local municipal tax incentives? Are there tax incentives to putting up a green roof? Um, not so much. Maybe more so now we've got the, the political um, base for it, but we're seeing more local. I would say there's more local incentives and then the stormwater issue, too, is really the biggest motivator. Okay. And one person pointed out that um, a green roof would actually reduce the electromagnetic radiation. And isn't that what a cell phone puts in our ear that we're supposed to be afraid of? Um, yeah. Well, it, it's an insulation barrier. So, you know, it, it actually acts as a sound barrier as well. There's a project called the Gap Building out in San Bruno, California. That's the whole corporate, it's the Gap head, uh, corporate headquarters. Mm-hmm. And it the sits Gap, the clothing right, store? Yeah, the clothing the store. It sits right by the airport. And they've discovered that one of the reasons they designed that building with the green roof was that it actually muffled the sound of the airport. So they weren't, the employees weren't um, having to hear those planes take off every day. So can can we start doing more green roofs if the people that work in the buildings complain that they think that, that it needs to be more green with all of these benefits? Well, or do we need to work on the people that are building the future yeah, buildings? As, unfortunately, aesthetics doesn't all the time talk with the, the money talk. So yeah. you have to really show the customer where you're going to make some money or incentives that are going to be economical for them. Yeah. And that's that's the developer. Yeah. Well, I know that you are eager to dive into the components of the green roof. So um, explain to us what goes into having a green roof, please. Well, the basics are there's four actual necessary um, components that have to be in every green roof. And that's, like I mentioned, the waterproofing membrane. The, there has to be some kind of drainage mat and then the, the soil and the plants. So in addition to that, there's all kinds of layers that different manufacturers are incorporating or possibilities to add to it. Insulation is one. If you need extra insulation, you can put insulation um, underneath or on top of the waterproofing under the drain mat. And um, each of those four necessary components has um, different characteristics or needs too. I don't know if you want to go into that, but um, I'd certainly be glad to. Yeah, explain that for us. Well, the waterproofing is is really no different than your waterproofing that you see on every other rooftop. Um, like I said, it extends the, the life of the roof. Um, so it, it there are all kinds of waterproofing companies with all different configurations and types of waterproofing. It's really up to the architect who he's comfortable working with or has already established a good relationship with. Um, And then on top of the waterproofing, there has to be some vehicle for when the water makes, rainwater makes its way through the soil, that it's captured and sloped off the rooftop. Because basically you're building what I call a bathtub on top of your building. So you need drainage and somewhere where that water is going to accumulate and then be sloped off the rooftop. And so then, you don't have to do this on a flat top building, do you? You can't. No, it it we see both flat and low slope rooftops. Janet, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back again in just a few minutes. Thank you. Quick stakes. That's 
Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. We're here on the Master Gardener Hour talking with Janet Faust about green roofs, and Janet was explaining the drainage layer component of putting together a green roof, saying it could be, a green roof could be considered a bathtub on top of your building. We hope not. (laughs) So explain that drainage issue to us. Sure. Um, Basically, um, the sample that I brought in today for you to look at is, is a sheet, and it looks somewhat like a egg crate. So it, it has a voided space that lifts the soil off of the actual waterproofing. And it's a, a sheet, a drain, what we call a dimple core, that comes in large rolls. So what you don't see on a green roof is this product that's laid out over the entire roof area that gives that voided airspace for the water to accumulate. And actually, water retention is a part of this drain mat. Um, If you lift the filter fabric up, you'll see that it actually has water retention cups. So it actually has the capability to hold and store water for the plants to use. So if um, irrigation is is a critical part of your green roof and you want to reduce the amount of irrigation or water that you're putting on the green roof, then this is the product. This is the product that was used on the Atlanta City Hall green roof where there is no irrigation. So it really has been a a lifesaver to have that little bit of extra water retention for the plants to use during um, the heavier drought or dry season. So this product will drain, help drain the water off of the roof. And then it will retain it, it so also, the plants yes. can go back and use it later. Correct, correct. Through evaporation or um, capillary action, because the soil is sitting directly on top of this drain mat, it actually wicks back up into the root system. Very interesting. Can't wait to read more. So, um, what about the different growing mediums? What are people using? Well, because of on top of this drain mat, you have filter fabrics. Um, we and and also because of weight issues, we highly recommend that you use the engineered soils that are out there on the market. What we don't want to see is you taking landscape soil that's 100% organic and throwing it up up on top of your rooftop. Um, For one thing, this creates a lot of heavy weight that typically you don't want on your rooftop. A lot of structures are are not designed to have to bear that much weight. And also, the engineered soils, they can fine-tune exactly your needs for weight, 
plant choices, your microclimate, all of that is factored in. It's a, almost a science as to um, your needs for the plant growth and your uh, green roof soil media or growth media. I do think that there would be um, some some investigation that you need on your building for the live and dead loads and right, you correct. Know, what's underneath the correct. surface. Yes. Because otherwise it could be quite catastrophic. Yes. Like you say, if you start throwing landscape material. You're throwing a lot of organic, which is 100%. It's just all weight. Mm-hmm. Um, water in organic material just tends to just, it doesn't drain very well. So these engineered soils that are out there are comprised mostly of an aggregate, which is a very lightweight. You might be familiar with Permatil or Staylight. Um, that's the the main product that we're seeing used in the southeast. It's manufactured up in North Carolina. And so it's a lightweight aggregate that they've, it's a, a shale or slate that they've put in a high, a high temperature and it puffs up somewhat like popcorn. So it gives really nice growing media. And for plants that we typically see on green roofs, which are sedum types or alpine plants, um, they like that that drought-resistant type engineered soil. So. so when I'm envisioning a green roof, am I envisioning just a carpet of sedum across sometimes, the top of a building? Sometimes. Um, like you mentioned, there are projects, though, that have trees. So you're going to look at, you know, you're gonna, your needs are going to be different for the depth of your soil and the kind of soil that you're using. Let's talk about plants and the different kinds of plants that someone would consider putting well, up on their green roof. I, When I talk to customers, I highly recommend that they contact a local landscape architect or environmental horticulturist because, as you know, each city has different growing zones. So each city is going to have a whole different plant palette. What's going to work in Miami, Florida is going to be vastly different than what's going to work in Portland, Oregon. Um, the plants, that's no one plant is going to serve the purpose for any city. So I highly recommend that if you're thinking of designing a green roof, that you bring in a, a local resource for a plant person that's going to help you pick that plant palette. And what and what are you seeing that people are using other than the sedums? Well, um, here in Atlanta, really, just about any plant. Is, if you've got irrigation, that's another key for your plant success. Um, and that's gonna if you have irrigation, and the soil depth is gonna determine what kind of plants. So if you if you were to say I'm going to have six inches of soil depth, you're probably looking at the sedums that you're going to be growing. And six and inches would be a small That's a pretty small amount. Okay. Though, though we're even seeing two or three inches of soil depth that they're putting sedums in, and they're, they're fine as long as you have irrigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to up the soil depth and have a foot of soil, then, you know, you can start putting small shrubs and perennials and and, and things that are conducive to Atlanta climate up on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. Are the majority of green roofs spaces where there's also pedestrian traffic so that you are doing a landscape that people are going to be walking through? Yes. Um, not all. Um, some green roofs are designed just for aesthetics, just to look at, or environmental reasons. And so they are not accessible to people. But like the Atlanta City Hall green roof, they're actually encouraging the public to go up there and walk around. There's, um, in addition to the plant material, there's sidewalks or pedestal pavers where there's a walking area that you can walk around the whole green roof area. So, yeah, it's it's a, li- a lot of times it's a living space or a rec space. So that's what we need to envision. Instead of just a roof with plants as a carpet on the roof, really we should be envisioning 
like you say, sidewalks and parks no, and not, rec- not necessarily because the benefits of just a uh, what we call an eco roof or a, a extensive green roof is the benefits are unique. And so if that's what the customer or the building is looking at or can only hold so much weight and then the that lower profile green roof is the ant or solution to um you know their needs so that's where each green roof is or building is really unique mm-hmm. and each one has its benefits mm-hmm. well, let's talk about the irrigation and the maintenance because i think if you're you know if you're trying to be economical and environmental um, particularly here in Atlanta, we've been taught to decrease our use of irrigation. What percentage of green roofs are irrigated over those that are not? Here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. I would say the Atlanta City Hall is one of the few that is not irrigated. But if you're not going to have irrigation, just like City Hall, you have to have a, a hose or some type of water source that's available to hand water or bring water up to that green roof, especially the initial installation of the when the plants really right. need that um, that water at the first six months to a year of their plant growth. So you'd be more of a proponent that you provide irrigation at the onset. Then. Well, I I like to I want you know you want the green roof to be successful. Right. But you don't want to be pouring additional water onto the green roof. So your your plant choice and palette is really critical. You want to try to use plants that have low, um, have drought tolerance or low requirements and low maintenance as well. Um, I cringe when people say they want to put sod on top of their rooftop mm-hmm. because, as you know, the maintenance for your landscape can be unbelievable and weekly yeah and i hate to see that they're investing so much in the green roof and thinking they're going to get environmental benefits but they've put in the wrong plants such as sod which is really high maintenance and takes a lot of water and pesticides and everything else to keep it lush right right so that kind of defeats it defeats the purpose yes So we need to think about irrigation being a um, component at least while the plants become established. Yes. And then could be sustainable. But then the irrigation could go away, but I still feel like there's times when those plants are going to require some additional water. Yeah, I bet our green roof on City Hall really struggled when we had that drought. Yeah, but luckily we had a landscape architect that was up there, and it's it's a, only a 3,000-square-foot green roof, so he was able to hand water. There's a hose up there he could hand water. Are you seeing the use of many succulents on green roofs? Sure, yes. I mean, sedums yeah. are basically a succulent, and but I'm thinking of the echeverias and yes, you know, all the really fun. We're lucky here in the southeast to have a really great resource in that Saul nursery. Bobby Saul and his brother are the leaders in the plant, green roof plants, and they really provide a lot of green roof plants and succulents for the southeast. Well, I was there yesterday, you and were? after doing all my reading, I said, oh, so I understand that y'all are really into providing plants for green roofs, and they said, yes, yeah. and we had that whole sedum yeah, conversation right, right. while I was there. Well, um, I just think that this is a whole nother world and a whole nother business opportunity that we just haven't explored with huge benefits. It is. And economical and environmental. We're we're getting there. Um, We actually have a conference every year. We're on our 11th year that's from a... Uh, a company, a nonprofit out of Toronto that covers the whole North America. And we're seeing an increase every year of that conference in the interest level. So we're, we're excited to see where the market's gone in the last 10 years. Yeah. yeah. So it, it does look like a lot of growth there. Well, um, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the different types of green roofs and we're going to talk about who's designing and installing green roofs so stay with us this is michael gano with insight to israel every day the israeli defense force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of islam 
Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options, such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. As a realtor, I wanted to be more connected to my prospects and clients. I found that my amazing new mobile app provided this connection, and clients show they appreciate my mobile app with their loyalty. More loyalty and more deals closed. But find out for yourself. Take a free test drive available now, thesmartappsguy.com. Clients love this app thesmartappsguy.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. We're with Janet Faust, and we're talking about green roofs, and we just went over the different components. And Janet, I want you to tell us about the different types of green roofs that we are seeing and are going to see. There's basically two types, Those, though there's some gray areas where they overlap. The main two types are, the first one is what we call extensive green roof, and that's our our lower profile green roof, similar to the green roofs that we saw back in the Icelandic green roofs where they are mainly used for environmental reasons, and they're usually six inches of soil depth or or sometimes less. So the lower profile, obviously less components and less cost. So if cost is an issue or weight is an issue, these are the type of green roofs that we're going to see installed. Um, Usually the extensive are on a flat roof, though not all the time. And they're typically not used for um, recreational space. They're typically just for environmental reasons. So they're they're the the large spanses usually of of vegetation um, that you just see that carpet of sedum. And so they're they're really the way to go if the weight's an issue or cost is an issue, and you just want a green roof or um, if you've got a smaller building, you just want to see some savings with the heating and cooling costs of your building. And what percentage of the of green roofs do you think would be extensive versus intensive? That's really hard to say. Um, that's really hard to say. I would think it. I would just think it would be a smaller component because of the uses of of the other group. I, I almost want to say it's 50-50. Okay. Because on the other spectrum is the full-blown, what we call rooftop garden or a garden, where you're actually seeing plants or trees and soil depths of anywhere from a foot to three or four feet. So you've with that extra soil depth, then you have a, a larger palette for plant plant material. So elm trees, maple trees, you name it. Um, they're they're putting anything that's on ground level on top of these green roofs or rooftop gardens. And that is just amazing to me that someone would plant a tree that's going to be a 30-foot tall tree at some point in its life. Well, with these 
um, they're called intensive green roofs or rooftop gardens. They're living spaces. So, you know, who wants to be on top of a rooftop in Atlanta in August without any without shade. any shade? So it really you're designing your rooftop with with all of the same components or aesthetics that you would at ground level. You still want the shade. You still want a diversity of plant material and col- seasonal color. Um, you want there to be something green or color year-round. And with Atlanta, we, we have that capability. Well, I totally get the sedums, but it's hard to wrap my mind around these huge trees. And not just one, but multiple huge trees on top of a building. Yeah. But, and then the and, and so that's what you call the intensive, intensive roof, and that's based on the depth of the soil, pretty much. And the intensive um, are pretty much strictly flat because they're living space, so they're flat roofs. And how much does slope of the roof? Um, what what degree? Of decision making, does the slope of the roof cause? Well, we're we're actually seeing that they're, they can design green roofs up to about seventy percent slope. So you you're designing the green roof. So is a hundred percent straight? Yeah, down? straight up and down, right? And and seventy percent. Yeah, yeah. You're actually um, having to design that soil depth a little bit different because now you have to you have to consider erosion. Mm-hmm. So there's products out there that they that it's called a honeycomb system where they actually on top of the waterproofing and the drain mat they stretch out this honeycomb that then they place the soil in and it creates little pockets mm-hmm. so that the ero- there is no chance of erosion. It kind of captures um the soil in little pockets and prevents that uh, soil from from falling off, off the roof. The right. <laughs> <laughs> so your gray area is, I guess, what I've researched called the semi-intense. Semi, yeah, yeah. And they just that's somewhere in between. Yeah. Then so you've the got green roofs. Yeah, you've got green roofs that have only maybe like city hall, for example. It has some areas that are only six inches deep where the sedums are growing, but it also has a flat roof with sidewalks, but it also has mounded areas with a foot of soil. So it's kind of a gray area. It's, you know, a little bit in, in semi-extensive or semi-intensive. And City Hall was an existing building. Correct. Built how many years ago? Oh, a, a hundred years ago, a long time ago. And did they have to change the structure of the roof when uh, they put the roof garden in? No, they got lucky because actually that building was designed for additional floors. So they there you go. Yeah, so it it had a, a pretty good weight bearing load. So they they actually didn't know if they were when it was initially built whether they would add other floors, mm-hmm. which they did not. Mm-hmm. So the, the green roof got lucky there that the weight was, though they calculated and wanted to make sure, you know, there were weight restrictions, um, they were able to put the amount of soil that they wanted to and the depths. So. Mm-hmm. Well, when we're talking about types of green roofs, and if you can't go green roof, is that where green walls came from? If you can't go green roof, then you're going to talk about cool roofing, which is another roofing um, sustainable sustainable rooftop application, which reduces the amount of reflection and hot cold and cooling effect to the city and to the building. Um, I think the whole vertical wall it, it is has become a part of the green roof industry. But it also serves some different purposes that the the green roofs, um, the the green walls are more I think more aesthetic, and they do provide the plant hot um, you know, heating and cooling of the building as well as the taking the bad air just like any plant the carbon dioxide out of the air. But it has really nothing to do with the water management solutions that right. green roofs do. 
So it's just a beginner a different, step, yeah, an intermediate right, step right, when you can't go right, green up on your roof. Just like um, different porous pavement and rain gardens and water retention or rain barrels, they all play a different role in the in sustainability mm-hmm. of your landscape. And Janet, what's a brown roof? Well, those mainly started in London where they wanted the soil on top of the green roof or on top of their rooftop to provide uh, thermal insulation, but not necessarily want to incorporate green plants. So they're they're actually seeing that it, it has its benefits even without the plants. Just adding that soil depth to your building is a is has its benefits for the stormwater issues. It's still taking that storm water and holding it to some degree and it's extending the life of the waterproofing as well. Interesting. Particularly from a flower lover, when you go to Kew Gardens or the Chelsea Garden Show, they can grow anything yeah, right. in the United Kingdom. Why they would choose not to put Yeah, and I'll tell you, there's a little story about the Chicago City Hall green roof, which Chicago, by the way, is the leader in green roofs. Uh, Mayor Daley, 10 years ago, was the huge spearhead proponent of green roofs. And Chicago, to this day, leads the United States in green roofs. Um, But when the Chicago City Hall green roof was installed, the next year or two years after that, they had a severe drought, and they had issues with the plant growth and plants dying. And they actually had people from other buildings around Chicago City Hall calling Chicago City Hall and saying, what's wrong with your roof? Why isn't it growing? It's all turning brown. Yeah. (laughs) So aesthetics uh, really does play into the green roof. I would think particularly with us Americans. You know, True. We want yes. everything, we want everything nice green and manicured. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that that takes us right into who is designing and installing green roofs and where are they doing that? Well, I mentioned Chicago. Um, we're also seeing New York City, and out in the West, surprisingly, we're seeing the Pacific Northwest. So Seattle and Portland really big into green roofs, and and the reason being they have more incentives in place locally for that to happen. Um, but we're seeing as far as who is doing green roofs, um, there's there's so many reasons. Um, the Ford Power Plant in Dearborn, Michigan, decided to put a green roof on their manufacturing facility where they manufacture F-150 trucks. And so actually they've got the largest green roof in the United States. It's over 10 acres. And so, for obvious reasons, Ford wanted, you know, to look in the eyes of the consumer sustainable. And this is a high-profile roof area with 10 acres of green on top and makes a huge statement. But it also helps them with their stormwater issues, too. So, you know, for different reasons, people are doing green roofs. It's also a part of the lead Um, U.S. Green Building Council's uh, rating system. So they've incorporated green roofs as a sustainable checklist on their rating system. So if you've got a green roof in place and your architect or the building owner is going for LEED credentials, then green roof can play into that and and be a big part of the sustainable checklist. So that may be uh, an incentive for your customers that they want to go for that lead or sustainable um, credibility. You get extra points yes, if you yeah, have the green yes, yeah. Well, we recently interviewed a woman talking about converting um, old railroad beds mm-hmm. to urban spaces. And one of the projects that we talked about was the High, High Line, Line in yes, New York City. There, yeah. And when I was at Saul's the other day, they were saying, well, you know, the High Line is basically a green roof. It is, yeah. It is. It's a man-made um, you know, building or structure that has green space up above. Yeah. Yeah. So where else in the future do you think we're going to start seeing green roofs? And who's going to be doing them? Well, I like to think that residential market hasn't really taken off because we don't see the incentives. But um, you think about the roof area 
of residential versus commercial space. And there's actually two to three times more roof ratio or space of residential mm-hmm. possibilities than there is on commercial buildings. So I would love to see residential green roofs take off to, w- to where we see it as a a normal thing to, to design. Right now it's somewhat of a, a novelty, unfortunately, but I think um, – and, and it's a higher-end design aspect to residents who who can afford or want that extra living space. Well, and, and I've started to see green roofs on dog houses and on chicken coops and right. on bird houses. So we, we're starting. Yeah, yeah. But, Janet, thank you so much for coming to be our guest today. I've thoroughly enjoyed